Welcome to this new episode of The Context. My name is David Orban, and I want to talk to you today about human networks. We have, of course, formed networks in our societies since we existed. We are social animals. At the beginning, these networks were our villages, our dwellings. And they were comprised of um, a few dozen, maybe a few hundred individuals. And we were uh, very unlikely to actually go outside of this circle. And uh, it was only uh, narratives of fairy tales and our myths that would permeate back and forth with the rhythms of uh, a slower life that would change what we would be thinking how we would be thinking about the world. It was a deep time linking cultures, probably across continents, across the entire planet, but through generations. Some of these myths, some of these narratives, some of these networks survive to this day. When you read the uh, Odyssey or the Iliad, you are participating in the written communications ability to actually extend the network uh, from a completely location-constrained interaction to one that is able to link people who are not at the same place together. And of course, written communication uh, made it possible to record one's memories, transmit one's thoughts, but it also enabled us to reply. We started to have these networks that were intertwined with correspondence. One of my favorite ones uh, is uh, uh, the one between Leibniz and Newton. As a matter of fact, between Leibniz and Clark, uh, a strong supporter of Newton, uh, to uh, talk about their respective discoveries in mathematics and as they apply to, to physics. But uh, what uh, then became a broader conversation around uh, what is uh, uh, the meaning of life and uh, the respective philosophies and theologies that were shaping uh, their understanding of the world. The topology of these networks as they uh, developed uh, in the past uh, were, of course, in my view, an expression not only of the nature of human social interaction, but very strongly also of uh, the technologies that, uh, that were uh, available. The most important example, I would say, uh, is how um, we organized uh, our cities, uh, the kingdoms, the uh, city-states of the ancient world. And within the city-states, the caste system or the caste-like systems, and within those systems, the communication uh, between the individuals and the command and control mechanisms that uh, were uh, available at the time. Most of these topologies were extremely hierarchical. The military organizations of uh, 
how uh, the rankings uh, would enable orders to be formulated, promulgated, uh, communicated, implemented, and who would outrank whom. The technology, uh, uh, of course, changes, and uh, the one-to-many communication channels uh, that even up to the 20th uh, century characterized communication, such as books, which I already mentioned, but also radio, television, cinema, where everybody participating uh, in receiving the message that these very hierarchical top-down networks were able to, to promote could have almost no opportunity to, to speak back. Well, these uh, communication technologies in the 21st century have been substituted by many-to-many communication platforms. And our networks, our interactions, as a consequence, profoundly changed with them. Once again, I would say that uh, an important and interesting example of this change is how even the most hierarchical, the most regimented network, the military organizations, are now recognizing how uh, a different kind of more peer-to-peer network topology can be desirable in mission-driven tasks uh, where the orders are not top-down anymore, but uh, there are multiple uh, input sources and uh, a more, not necessarily egalitarian, but a multifaceted um, consideration for uh, the decision-making process that uh, gets uh, into, into their thinking and, and, and their actions uh, as well. So these many-to-many communication platforms uh, are important because they uh, represent a multiplying force to what used to be the village where everybody would know everybody else and gossip uh, would drive uh, uh, the accumulation and distribution of knowledge in in waves about uh, the the various types of behavior that were admissible or inadmissible, ambitions that would be thwarted or supported, um, extreme measures of ostracism or expulsion that uh, were necessary to, on one hand, uh, allow uh, individuals to escape from the limits of uh, their uh, imposed social structure, but on the other hand, to preserve the identity of uh, the social structure as well. Some of these new platforms like uh, email are now 50 years old, and uh, email is still one of the more sophisticated means of uh, asynchronous communication. Synchronous or asynchronous means that uh, the various parties taking part in the communication need to be simultaneously together, synchronous communication, or the various parties can afford to 
um, absorb the message and respond to the message at their own pace. And the communication platform supports this kind of alternative um, system of interacting. Asynchronous communication. So email is asynchronous, and uh, uh, the modern email clients allow threading, for example, where uh, the subject line of the email will group the various uh, replies uh, together. And anybody listening this, check if your email client allows uh, threaded communications, and I strongly recommend that you turn on the threads, and then when you... um, start to to like that kind of grouping, uh, which may um, compactify the list of uh, various emails, not necessarily um, uh, confusing you with uh, the the, the list that becomes too long and, and something that you didn't reply to goes out of your main screen and you forget about it. That is when you realize that you should change the subject line of an email um, consciously, knowing when it is time to do that, knowing when you should keep the um, original subject. And it is typically because the topic stays the same or the topic actually changed and it deserves a new threaded conversation on email. There are many other reasons why email is still very robust and very um, rich in in, in features that other more recent platforms haven't had the time of of, uh, accruing yet. The most um, famous synchronous communication system, of course, is uh, uh, telephone, even though Originally, it only used to be one-to-one. And then uh, uh, phone conferencing systems uh, emerged and uh, they were the bane uh, of uh, office um, management where uh, a lot of times, and still it is the case, uh, a conference call uh, is a lost uh, opportunity because of the way that it is often organized or misorganized. Sometimes it is too long. Oftentimes the participants don't establish what the actions are at the end of the call. Um, it, is, it is really, uh, in a large percentage, um, not very useful at all. Internet Relay Chat, IRC, is another example of a fairly ancient electronic chat system that uh, a lot of people still use. Um, Not the hundreds of millions of people that use WeChat or WhatsApp, but still millions of people, uh, maybe tens of millions of people. WhatsApp, uh, in particular, is very popular in the West. Uh, WeChat is extraordinarily popular in, in China. And while WeChat became a platform in its own where additional modules allow um, hiring a a taxi cab or booking a restaurant, making a payment, and many, many other things, 
uh, WhatsApp uh, remained mostly uh, a chat platform and rather primitive uh, as that. One of the most important features of text that voice is very slowly starting to inherit uh, due to uh, AI voice and speech recognition systems is that text is searchable. And that is why, for me, email is still so useful because it allows me to, to search in a sophisticated manner and find messages that are relevant to what I want to do. And chat systems, whether we are talking about Skype, Telegram, Signal, WhatsApp, or others, haven't achieved those uh, levels of uh, sophistication in their features, either uh, searching or archiving, organizing, threading, etc., etc., Nonetheless, of course, these uh, systems are sophisticated enough to develop kinds of behavior that others can judge as appropriate or inappropriate for the platform. In the physical world, uh, these kinds of interactions are called the etiquette of uh, well-behaved conversation or um, visiting somebody or uh, having dinner and using the right kind of cutlery with the right kind of food and other sources of embarrassment, uh, more or less purposefully designed in order to artificially distinguish and sort people in those who are well-versed in uh, these arcane practices and those who are newcomers, uh, or who just snuck in but don't necessarily belong. The corresponding rules of behavior uh, uh, in the electronic uh, systems that uh, weave the human networks uh, is netiquette. And of course, netiquette often re-implements, reinvents these rules why not? For similar purposes of uh, labeling, sorting, classifying, admitting, banning individuals uh, in participating at certain degrees in these networks. And the electronic platforms that gave rise to what today we call social networks, from Friendster to Facebook uh, in, the, in the middle, uh, with, with so many others, express powerful lessons about how important topology, architecture, interaction, netiquette, and features actually are. We have learned last year one of these powerful lessons when, for the umpteenth time, Google threw in the towel after Google Wave, uh, Google Buzz, uh, Google, I don't remember even how many other attempts at building the social network native to Google, they uh, threw in the towel on Google Plus at the time, their most ambitious attempt of building a social network at which they completely failed. More recently, they threw in the towel 
on another social feature that they tried to build into YouTube. I don't know if you even knew, but uh, on top of the commenting system that uh, is um, sitting beneath uh, every YouTube video that allows um, the viewers to express their opinions, uh, often very negative, sometimes positive, and the creators to respond, but also viewers having conversations. YouTube introduced a feature uh, that they were supposed to be extending for uh, a community type of uh, um, section. And if you didn't know, don't bother learning, because they already closed it. Isn't it fascinating that money is not enough? Google could have all the amounts of money they want to dedicate to this task. Millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars, maybe even tens of billions of dollars. Wouldn't it be worth it if they could quotation marks, beat Facebook, but it, money is not enough. This is a huge lesson for startups that are jealous of their ideas. Isn't everything that Facebook does available for others to copy or be inspired by as uh, Google could have been inspired and was for sure in designing Google Plus? The, 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 the barrier is not if the idea is known or secret, rather, and others cannot copy it. The barrier is not not having money, because we've seen that having money is not enough. The ability to build something that people want and, and really use day in, day out, the ability to create features that, uh, in this case, create new important social networks is what makes a big difference. Today, today together with Facebook, uh, another uh, important social network uh, for human networks on the professional segment is LinkedIn. And LinkedIn has been acquired by Microsoft uh, for $14 billion uh, a few years ago and some, including me, expected that the acquisition would signal uh, the excessive integration of LinkedIn into the Microsoft ecosystem, such as requiring the use of uh, the Microsoft account for signing in or signing up for LinkedIn or, or other mistakes, but it wasn't the case. And LinkedIn is evolving, um, adding new features uh, like uh, the ability today of uh, um, signaling interest in a post or exclamation or the traditional thumbs up liking, inspired by Facebook's similar nuanced expression of uh, feedback in a post. Live streaming of uh, video 
um, and uh, the ever more sophisticated creation of content, both in groups as well as on the individual profiles. On LinkedIn, there are a lot of people who are maybe as a consequence of these new features that are being added, confused what they should be doing with the platform. How active should they be in those kinds of traditional social media sharing activities that uh, we got accustomed to on, on Facebook? Should you share cat videos on LinkedIn? Should you um, stream your life uh, of what you are eating or your influencer type uh, photos on, on LinkedIn, what uh, more traditionally belong to uh, Telegram. The experiments, of course, um, are endearing because sometimes it is very easy to see that they are blunders and, and no, you should not share cat videos on, on LinkedIn. But it is positive to, to have experiments nonetheless. One of the things that I have been uh, watching and I want to experiment with myself is not only live uh, video, um, which uh, I am definitely going to, to do, probably on Twitch, but the restreaming of video across multiple platforms where then you can gauge which platform is more um, amenable to, to these live activities and, and uh, which ones uh, you should invest more. It is also fascinating to look at what are the limits of the platforms. The most striking limit, for example, on Facebook is that you cannot add more than 5,000 friends, connections. And I used to think that this was a mistake, maybe, that uh, Facebook should allow uh, a larger number. As a matter of fact, on uh, LinkedIn, uh, the limit is uh, 30,000. Why shouldn't Facebook go as far? The traditional measure of uh, connection limits, uh, the Dunbar number, which is set at 150, is our supposed ability to have strong connections to other people. And our origins in tightly knit communities biologically evolved this limit to be that low, relatively speaking. But there is also a concept of really making the connection valuable. It doesn't matter what tools support the connection. It could in increase the Dunbar number, let's say from 150 in a physical world of a village to 5,000 on Facebook and to 30,000 on LinkedIn and maybe to uh, an even larger number with other support tools on other platforms. But still, that network is yours. And it is not just a, a mathematical and a topological concept. The value of that network is in your investment, your curation, your interaction, uh, the ability to introduce somebody to somebody else when you asked uh, and how today's practices of double opt-in in these introductions allow 
the other party to say, thank you, I, I don't want to meet your friend today on email or in person. The, the favor that uh, he's asking is a burden to me. And, and, and please do not complete the introduction. This is rather important. Double opt-in is uh, a, a precious tool for smoothing uh, otherwise embarrassing situations. Well, I don't like, as a consequence, those LinkedIn users that have lion written on after their name. This started as a kind of a protest when uh, LinkedIn started re uh, uh, restricting uh, the, the way that you could uh, use your network. And, and LION stands for LinkedIn Open Network or, or Networker. People who will accept every connection. And for me, that means that you become like a stamp collector. You are not applying any judgment to who you should or shouldn't accept. And the value of the network is severely degraded as a consequence. Now, obviously, the value of the human networks is not only in professional or social support or in our emotional ability to share uh, what we do, it is also in our ability to follow through, to act. Uh, Woody Allen used to say 80% of life is showing up. So following through in a human network, in a social network is really important. Actually, 80% or more, whatever the number, is going to be accomplished just by delivering what you can deliver and what you said you will deliver in a social interaction. Already, sophisticated tools are supporting our human networks. In many, LinkedIn again, when you uh, start a conversation, you are given suggestions on how to open it, how to um, continue it. And these pieces of AI support in the enriching of human networks are going to get ever more sophisticated. We will talk about synthetic persons and uh, AI-based personas. These will be more and more important. These are going to be part of our future human networks. Uh, this will be for another episode of The Context. I want to thank you for uh, having watched uh, this episode. And I want to invite you to become a supporter on Patreon if you liked it. Uh, this allows me for as little as $5 a month uh, on your part or the amount that you choose, less or more, to keep producing these videos together uh, with my team who help me um, designing, researching, editing, publishing and promoting on the various 
Human Social Networks, the videos of the series of the context. Thank you very much.